from the Draco Vista Studios in Phoenix, Arizona, unlocking secrets of writing, conversing with masters of the craft, and just having a lot of fun. It's the Dragon Page, cover to cover. Hey, welcome everyone to another Dragon Page cover to cover. I'm Michael Armenengay. And I'm Michael Stackpole. And we're having the fun, fun time here. We are, we are. It's going to be an an all-Arizona show. It is going to be a really cool show. Uh, We got Alan Dean Foster on later today. All-Arizona. Want to stay put for that because he's got a really cool book out that I am a little over halfway through and I'm really, really enjoying. Good, good, good. uh, Yeah, it's uh, called The Human Blend. You'll hear all about that today, I'm Excellent. sure. Um, and uh, I think we should probably continue our conversation from last week because, boy, that got interesting. It it got very interesting because uh, we're we're if you missed last week's show, you need to go back and listen to it. Yeah, yeah because yeah. Uh, I I think that uh, we're we're kind of pushing into some new territory here that uh, we haven't really we've covered we've touched on in the past, but we really haven't gone into depth on, and that is pretty much empowering you as everything pretty much right, the right. writer the creator the distributor the publicist the publisher the right the, everything you know i mean from from the time you write your your first word to the time you uh basically sell your last well which when you're dead probably or when you're <laughs> well <laughs> no effectively it'll if go forever if, if you're writing now so. yeah your copyrights will be around forever yeah absolutely especially now with disney around right exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh yeah pretty much uh from start to for end times you've basically taken control of your your writing career right and it's it's the really important thing to remember, especially right now in this time of transition, mm-hmm. is to, um, uh, you know, it, as they say in finance, don't mm-hmm. mistake genius for a bull market. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just because everybody's making money now or potentially right. is making money now or you're seeing this rising tide and people will tell you that all boats are going to be lifted by this rising tide. Mm-hmm. Just because of all that, that doesn't mean that you don't have to keep the eye, your eye, on what's really going on, mm-hmm. and 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 being prepared to uh, uh, make use of of any opportunities that you have. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, you know, we've talked before about uh, if you're selling novels, even if you're selling novels uh, as eBooks through someone else, mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing to stop you doing short stories. Mm-hmm. about characters and running them off of your website or you yourself selling them uh, via Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. So you want to keep track of that. One of the things that you have to look for in a book contract, if you sign a book contract, is what's known as the option clause. Mm-hmm. Okay, the option clause states that the publisher has the first right of refusal of uh, for your next work in that uh, in that world, in that genre, perhaps mm-hmm. sometimes they're broad enough that it is in you know any book that you write. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have to watch how you want it. Though you want you want the option clause as narrow as possible. Uh, I mean, I've had option clauses where it's they've got the option on the next uh, novel in that particular series, or and and then other ones where it was they've got the next option on the next uh, fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to you want to narrow those down as, as closely as possible, and that's really really important for you to do because that gives you more latitude. 
Mm-hmm. Um, also, publishers tend to, uh, with those, uh, with those um, uh, first right of refusal clauses, they also tend to uh, have a matching bid right. Mm-hmm. Which is to say that if if they come to you and say, "Hi, we're going to give you ten thousand dollars for this book," uh, and you say, um, "No, sorry, that's not good enough," and someone else comes and says, "We'll give you eleven thousand, your first publisher has the right to match that bid. Hmm. Okay, so okay. so you know, well, so I, I, you kind of understand it from a business point of view. I mean, it's basically you want to keep your authors in your own house, right? So. And, 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 and you're absolutely right. And so you do have to understand that from a from a business point of view. Yeah, let's let's not frame that as a nefarious thing. No, because it, it it truly is good business practices. Period. It's, it's good business practices as far as they're concerned. The concern for the writer is just making sure that you have. Uh, the option free and clear mm-hmm. to do your novels. Right. Um, for example, if they've rejected a novel in a series, they they decided, uh, you know, you submitted a, an outline for the fourth book in your in your in your series, and they said no, um, then that series is open. So if you still want to write fourth book, mm-hmm. you can do it and sell it yourself. Right. That's not a particular problem. Well, and back in the day, I mean, that was actually a good thing for the authors, too, because if you were under one house, then you had all of your titles in one place, which meant that the marketing kind of worked as well. You had a little bit more. Yeah, but it was it was it was difficult. I mean, for example, the story is told and I'm not 100 percent sure that it's true. It may be apocryphal, but the story is told that uh, Robert Heinlein wrote Starship Troopers to break the uh, series of contracts he was under because he was writing uh, uh, juvenile novels. Mm -hmm. And he wrote Starship Troopers, which would not be within the guidelines of that juvenile novel. But his his options clause said that they had the rights to his next book. Mm -hmm. So he wrote one he knew they would reject just so he could break out of writing juveniles. Right. Um, so hmm. you, you got to be careful about that. You, you have to watch, you have to watch what is, um, you have to watch what is, is going on there. Um, and that's really important because again, you don't want to get locked up with people um, that are going to hold on to hmm. your material forever. Mm-hmm. Um, we have talked about this before. You want to take a look at whether or not your contract has a sunset clause. I mean, right now, most book publishing contracts, uh, paper publishing contracts, um, a book can go out of print for seven years before you can ask for the rights back. Um, mm. Sometimes it's between two, sometimes it's seven. That's the the rights reversion window. You want that window to be as tiny as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's buying uh, a short story from you to include in an online uh, anthology, uh, you want those to be very limited rights and non-exclusive rights. Mm-hmm. So if somebody says, well, for six months it's exclusive, and then after that you can sell it anywhere you want to, that's great. You know, you can give them a window, but you don't want to give it to them forever mm-hmm. because what happens if they stop publishing? Mm. Um, you know, you know, they just suddenly become a zombie that's just collecting stuff off of, off of the internet. Uh, they own those rights forever. They aren't, they aren't promoting them. They aren't doing anything for you. Um, you know, so you don't want those rights to, to be there forever. You want to be able to take that material back and do with it what you can. Mm -hmm. And, and look, I'm here to tell you, never take somebody's word for it of saying, well, it doesn't say that in a contract, but don't worry, I'll let you do it. <laughs> yeah. no. no, no, you get it in writing yeah. or you get it taken out of the contract as, as it's, as is often said, um, if it is a clause that if, if there's a clause in the contract that grants somebody rights that that person will never exercise, get 
that clause out of the contract. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be you 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 know you just don't want to be doing. Well, that. you just never know. I mean, things change, and when things change, you know, it can go good for you, it can go bad for you. It just depends. You know, it's a roll of the dice, right? And that's and and that is the that is the other big thing that, we, that when we talk about empowering you uh, for stuff um, in in a parallel thing here in in uh, in the world of professional football. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at the potential for a uh, a lockout by the owners of the players, and they're talking about trying to get a deal done and how they're going to split revenues. And one of the things that that um, has been brooded about is that the owners would like to close that deal, or that the players would like to close that deal fast, because one, their insurance is going to run out, but two, mm-hmm. um, the owners may be striking a deal to get alternate revenue sources that wouldn't be covered uh, if they can't get that wording in, if they have to wait. So and so what we're talking about is something might come up new. In the, in the NFL, what they're talking about is the possibility that just like in soccer, uh, jerseys might now carry sponsor advertising. Mm-hmm. So you could, you know, on the, on, the, on the Washington Redskins, you could see AT&T all over their jerseys and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Well, we never know as authors... Whether or not, um, to, to give you an example, whether or not handheld gaming units are going to function well, uh, so well as reader units that, um, uh, you know, someone might have a PSP uh, cartridge that contains 10,000 novels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that will be, uh, I mean, it's just micro SD memory. But uh, will people start selling stuff on that sort of on that sort of medium? What sort of piece of the action do we get off of that? Right. You know, how is that going to be done? Or some other people have talked about uh, there was a, a it was an article and I forget what magazine it was it was in. But there was a question of whether or not um, putting ads inside ebooks might be a way to subsidize the cost of ebooks and therefore drive them down to make them more affordable. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. And my response was, I'm all for it, provided a I get to pick the ads, mm-hmm. and B, I get a piece of the action. Exactly. Otherwise, hell no. Yeah. You know, not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, yeah, is, there's got to be a there's got to be a proper rev share there. I mean, that's 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 all there is to it. I mean, it's that's kind of the way the, the world right now. But is from the publisher's the point of view, the publisher's point of view would be saying, no, there doesn't. We can do what we can do whatever we want to in those pages, mm-hmm. and and I can say the hell you can, you know, because yeah. because the implication is that. Whatever they're advertising in my book is something that I endorse. Mm-hmm. You have to remember back in the back in the late seventies, uh, middle and late seventies, um, to subsidize the cost of paperbacks, uh, they were tipping in uh, full color ads right in the middle of books for cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can still find some of those out there. Well, authors pitched a fit because mm-hmm. here these ads for which we were getting nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're now advertising cigarettes, and some people were vehemently anti-smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that's uh, that's uh, something there too. Uh, you know, and and it seems to be the way of of the world at the moment. I mean, we we've really seen this this we've kind of seen this restructuring of the way business does business with this whole economy collapse oh, sure. and, and, and nightmare. And it's kind of rippling out across everything else. And let me clarify that a little bit, what, what I'm talking about here. And that is the way business views their employees and the people that are working for them and the, basically the, the people that make them the money. It, there used to be some, uh, at least a, a bit of an unwritten 
um, respect there, that these people are actually the ones making you the money. So you have to treat them properly. Right, right. That's kind of gone out the window because now the way business and the way it's been it's shifted is that you're replaceable. You're you, you nothing you do is so important that we can't find five other people who are hungry and more eager to do it as good for less. Right, right. And that shift, that shift is is massive, and it has changed everything for for the workers and it has changed everyone everything for the way that business is done and i'm seeing that and we're seeing that ripple out sure. across many places that we never expected to see it and entertainment is definitely one of them um i think hollywood has been affected by it mm-hmm. i guarantee you the publishing industry is being affected by it right now oh yeah yeah and and we're starting to see that it, it's that respect for the worker and the people who are basically buttering your bread has gone away well and i think i think ultimately this comes back then to to the biggest thing about empowering yourself is that building of community mm-hmm. um i've said it here before i've said it in articles um the whole digital book revolution is less about who's going to buy what from whom mm-hmm. than it is access to retention of audience. Right. Okay. And if you as a writer, if you as a as a reader don't pay attention to and don't um, make a connection with the authors that you like, mm-hmm. um, you can end up losing out. Mm-hmm. You want that. Uh, you want to be in their audience. You want to. You want to sign up for their newsletter. You want to uh, visit their website. You want to follow their RSS feed, just so you can be aware of what is is mm-hmm. coming up, and because that will reward you with letting you know what's going on. You know, you want to be on their Twitter feed. This will give you an opportunity to support them, to get first looks at things that you might not otherwise get. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, all of that sort of stuff, and authors. You have got to have this audience. Yeah, I mean, this is this is uh, you've got to empower it for yourself because absolutely that's, that's the only way you're going to get forward here. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You know, I mean, th- and again, you know, it breaks down the the numbers break down really, really simply. For every five dollar book sold on the Kindle, you know, you make three fifty. So for every thirty books mm-hmm. that you sell, that's a hundred bucks in your pocket. Mm-hmm. You know. You, you know, so you, so, so, uh, um, you know, you build a, uh, you build an audience of, um, and you know, my math is going to be, is going to be horrible here, but, uh, you build mm. an audience of 3000 and what is that? 10 grand. Mm. Um, you know, so, um, guys, uh, this is, uh, you know, this is your livelihood. Mm-hmm. You build that audience of three grand that is willing to pay you for one $5 novel, uh, in a year. Mm-hmm. You know, that's ten thousand mm. dollars. You know, you do three novels a year, you're making thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Holy mackerel! Yeah, you know that's not that brutal. Uh, no, and and it's and especially in today's economy, that's not a bad living. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Good. Good stuff. Call in. You know the numbers two zero six three five zero. Read that two zero six three five zero seven three two three. If you have uh, any comments on this but i really want to get to alan yes absolutely uh i wonder what he has to think about say about all this <laughs> <laughs> well let's talk to him about his memoir because it'd be far I more think, interesting i think we'll than, do that yeah, first yeah. there yeah. we go yeah. okay 
Optimal health is more than eating right. You figure out, okay, here's what I'm allowing myself, calories, carbs, protein, and you spread it out. That way your body can actually absorb the nutrition properly, mm-hmm. and it can it can work in your favor because it's going to help you prevent muscle loss. Good nutrition and the right exercise are the things that affect us all. Yes, the let's talk fat. about back fat today. In fact, we could just title this episode Back Fat. Join Romy Nelson, Ingredients for Life. Visit RomyNelson.com. And as promised, more with Dragon Page cover to cover. I'm Michael Armenengay. And I am Michael Stackpole. And joining us on the phone is Mr. Alan Dean Foster, the one and only. His new book is Human Blend, which I am truly enjoying right now. Welcome to the show, Alan. Nice to be back, guys. Not a problem. Uh, so, oh, where do we begin? Well, just Let's go see. all fanboy over him. Oh, yeah, just see it a little. Same as time. Yeah. I'm not completely done yet, so I don't really want a whole lot of spoilers on this. I'm almost about halfway through. And, and the uh, butler did it. And uh, <laughs> the robot, the robot alien butler did it. That's well, the one. I knew he was going to be coming in. He's he's that he's that new meld that's coming, right? Yeah. <laughs> Asimov missed that one, I think. But. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Yes. So I'll let you tell us tell us all about it. Uh, Human Blend. What's this book about? Well, the Human Blend is the first book of a trilogy called the Tipping Point Trilogy, and it uh, deals with the near future. The uh, the premise is that. Uh, well, what what I wanted to do something about the future of cosmetic surgery, and it just got bigger than that. <laughs> Boy, you did. <laughs> the, the idea is that uh, you know when you can replace or change any part of your body and do pretty much anything you want, what happens to society? It's all wrapped around a mystery involving a thief and a doctor. But uh, you know, it, what if you could look like Mar- Marilyn Monroe? Not you guys, but what if somebody could look like Marilyn Monroe or Clark Gable? And suddenly everybody could do it on the cheap, and you go to a party, and it's like the three gals who show up with the same dress. You've mm-hmm. got six Chuck Clark Gables and six Marilyn Monroes. Suddenly it's not so special anymore. What happens if you're a fireman? What kind of a uh, bodily modification would you get? Uh, fireproof skin probably would be a good idea. Suppose you're an opera singer. You get your vocal cords melded, as I call it in the book, and you can suddenly sing five octaves. Uh, and when all of these things become available to everybody, what does it do to society? You throw in a bit of global warming, where the sea has come up about 30 feet, and it makes for an interesting future world, I hope. It wow. is an interesting world. It is very gritty. Um, it's, uh, and, it's, and it's all very plausible. That's what I find fascinating as I'm reading through this book, is the, is the, the stuff that's happening in this book makes sense and uh well, yeah the, the the i mean the 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 contrast between the naturals and the melds and the fact that the naturals are even the naturals tend to meld even though they're trying to stay natural it's just it's too much of a too much of a a, a draw or too much of a desire to to enhance yourself it's very tempting to think that you could nobody's happy with the way they look I remember uh, Sophia Loren when somebody asked her, you know, how she how she felt about the way she looked. She went down a long list of things she felt was wrong with her. So nobody's ever happy with the way they look. The idea that you could change that, not only simply for appearances' sake, but for practical reasons, 
I mean, I talk in the book about what happens if you have, uh, if you can meld, for example, if you can change somebody's body structure so that the bones get bigger, the muscles get bigger, where do you stop in professional football? A 500-pound lineman, 600-pound lineman, or does the game simply go away because it, it doesn't work anymore when anybody can be any size or any speed they want? Well, actually, I liked your analogy with the basketball thing. Uh, with you know, if you get your legs uh, lengthened and everybody's ten feet tall, then immediately the next day the basketballs go hoops go to uh, twenty feet. So I mean, it's just it doesn't make any sense. That's right. And you try, like like you just said, to root it in reality. Near futures are much more difficult to write about than far futures. Uh, and we're starting to see that now. This is where you get these uh, people say, "Where do the ideas come from?" You read in the paper. Uh, you read online about parents who are trying on the sly to slip their kids a little human growth hormone in the hope that the six-foot kid will become the six-foot, six-inch kid who can play basketball. And that's really the way we're headed. Not, a, not every advance in biology is all to the good, and not everyone is carefully thought out beforehand. Um, yeah, I just want you to know, Alan, that, that, that Mike did not get out unscathed getting the book out of the studio. There was a fight for it. Um, do, you, do, you find, do you find when you're looking at, uh, when you're looking at a, a, a near future and you're, you're doing this sort of rapid extrapolation of, of what we've got uh, going now that, that there's a tendency for, for cynicism? Uh, just because you see stories like the parents trying to make their toddler suddenly be you know nine feet tall. I'm I'm always torn between my innate optimism and my realistic pessimism. Uh, you know, the, the brain part of me tends to be pessimistic, and the heart part of me tends to be optimistic. And I try to let the heart part uh, take over. But all you have to do is look at the daily news to be pessimistic. Uh, uh, things don't always work out the way everybody plans. On the other hand, the guys who invented the laser probably didn't think that its biggest use would be for home entertainment. So <laughs> yes, sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes things work out better than we hope, and um, so you try to be real. You try to throw a little optimism in there. It's it's just things never work out the way we expect them to because uh, people work out the physics and they work out the biology, but they rarely work out the social science. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about this book is it uh, it does have a really nice blend of. Uh, the science future, and it does talk about the human condition. And the nice thing is that, boy, you can always uh, count on the human condition to stay about the same. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Nobody, nobody foresees these things. I mean, the biggest advance in technology for the most number of people on the planet in the last 30 years has been the development of the cell phone. Mm. Yep. Because everybody, not everybody can get to a computer, not everybody can get to the Internet, Certainly not everybody has a television and satellite TV, but pe- pretty much everybody can get to a cell phone. Even if they don't own it, they can buy a share. That's what they do in Indian Africa. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that was just, that was pointed out with the, with the, um, uh, the, the riots and, and, and demonstrations in Egypt, even though they yeah, you shut- name me a, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, even though they shut down the internet, supposedly, cell phones and, I mean, information was getting out and people would be calling people on cell phones who would turn around and tweet what was actually happening mm-hmm. so that, you know, they were, they were getting around all of that technology. Human beings can be crafty, too. That's right. That's right. And the reason they restored the Internet in Egypt was not because the government had a sudden change of heart or was feeling the pressure from overseas influences. It was because every business in Egypt that used the Internet was really starting to suffer because they were cut off from all their customers. Yeah, yeah, yep. exactly. It is. It has become a major tool for 
how we live, do business, work, entertainment. I mean, it is it is such a part of our lives now. That it's uh, funny being older when I have to you know I talk to kids sometimes, and they they don't understand how the world existed before the internet. Never mind before cell phones. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The whole. The, I mean, I I I think I told was talking to a kid the other day and said, yeah, there was uh, there was like two three years I didn't even own a phone. He goes, oh, well, you had your cell phone. I said, there weren't cell phones. Yeah. I had yeah. no phone. I had yeah, no. And then they look commu- at you like you just crawled out of the primordial womb. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. So, so to shift gears ever so slightly here. You've got another book, uh, uh, Predators. I have known. Go ahead and tell us about that. Predators I have known comes out from Open Road Media as an e-original on the 22nd of this month, and it's my first nonfiction book. Oh, very good. Oh, okay. It's, it's about encounters I've had around the world with uh, uh, dangerous creatures, uh, and the, the idea is that there are things out there that like to eat us, and you don't read about them all the time, and it also talks a good deal in the book about how those travels and experiences relate to and influenced my science fiction and fantasy. Very cool. Wow. Uh, now, now I know because you're you're obviously local to us here, so we get to hang out from time to time. You have, and, and I'm I'm sure it's covered in the book, but you had an encounter with a great white shark who gave you a gift. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was diving off South Australia with a wonderful gentleman named Rodney Fox, a name that will be familiar to anyone who uh, has ever read about great white sharks. And I had told Rodney before I went in the water that I would like to get a tooth. Well, Rodney looked over at a friend of his, Carl Rossler, a wonderful underwater photographer, and they sort of exchanged a smile. And then Rodney said very quietly and professorially to me, nobody's ever gotten a tooth. So I kind of forgot about it. And I was down in one of the two cages by myself. Everybody else had gotten out to eat lunch. And I was just uh, hanging out and watching the sharks cruise back and forth, which is what you do. And the sharks will occasionally bite the cage because not having hands... That's the way sharks uh, tell whether something is dangerous or edible or anything else. Occasionally, they'll bite hard enough that a tooth will break off. doesn't bother the shark. Sharks, of course, have rows of teeth that move forward like conveyor belts, which we all wish we would have, except our dentists. (laughs) (laughs) And almost all the time, the tooth that breaks off falls outside the cage. Well, I was shooting video and our film at that time, And I looked over, and here was this small side tooth, about an inch long, uh, just drifting down through the water inside the cage. Well, the cage is floating on the surface. It has two floats that keep it on the surface. And it's rough water, and the cage is rocking back and forth, and there's current moving through the open cage. It's all open wire work and bar work. And I'm trying to grab this thing with one hand while hold on to my camera with the other, and it becomes a question in my mind, do I sacrifice my camera, which contains all the footage I've shot so far, for the tooth? It's very difficult to grab something underwater anyway. As your hand moves towards it, you push it away from you. So this thing is spiraling down and down and down, and I figure, well, at least I got to see it. And the bottom of the cage is kind of a U-shape, and the bars, the side bars, fit down in the U. And the tooth went down and ended up in the U and stuck there. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I very carefully reached down and got the tooth between thumb and forefinger and shoved it into my booty. I didn't care if I cut my ankle. Uh, And I had it. When I came out, it was still there. And uh, I had it made into an earring at my wife's behest. Wow. That's cool. She 
She doesn't like me to wear it anywhere unless she's with me because she thinks it's too sexy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So no, it really, really does make a good conversation opener, I have to admit. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, you said that this book is an e-original, and, and, um, and it, it, you've got multimedia uh, material incorporated in here. So, so what, are, right. what are people getting with this, with this whole Predators I Have Known package? Well, they'll see some video just by sheer coincidence. Open Road had had agreed to acquire the book before they found out that I had 35 years of video from all of the trips that I had written about in the book sitting around the house. So they took some excerpts from some of the video and incorporated it into the video portion of the ebook, which I presume will show up beautifully on an iPad and similar platforms. Uh, there's even a couple of uh, there's a quick great white shark clip in there, and. They also sent a crew out from back east, and they did kind of a little quick video uh, introduction, not biography so much, but there are, you know, typical sort of thing you would see on CBS Sunday morning, for example, when they're talking about a writer or an artist. And pictures of me at work in my study in the surrounding area, Prescott, which thankfully is very visual, of course. Uh, and, and parts of an interview with me laid over as a track, and it's, it's kind of nice, actually. You get a sense they do this with all their art, uh, all their writers, whether it's Pat Conroy or, you know, whoever, and uh, you get a sense of who the person is, where they work, how they work, what they're like. Uh, it's, it, it, it certainly beats having, you know, some third cousin or, or a secondary writer that you knew from 25 years ago try to pen a two-page uh, introduction to the book. Hmm. So you actually get to, you actually get to meet the author in a way. It's very cool. Now, now, who is this published through? You... Open Road Media is the name of the company. Okay, cool. The new company back east, but they've done Iris Murdoch and Jack Higgins, and as I said, Pat Conroy, and it's it's very nice company to be in. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. It really is. It really is. We've been having a lot of conversations over here about uh, about e-publishing and where the whole whole thing's going. And uh, I, I I mean, it's it's just inevitable. It's where it's where it's all heading. Well, it's you can see in a very very short period of time. Ideally, of course, what will happen is you'll you'll buy a book like this where the material exists, and you'll have certain words hotkeyed. And when you're reading about uh, the elephant encounter, for example. And this is particularly good for young readers. You'll just click on elephant, and you'll get some video of the elephant. Mm. And it'll be difficult at a certain point to tell where the book begins and where the book ends and where the movie starts. And as long as the words are still there, I think that's just fine. Well, and I mean, that's that's one of the aspects of, of uh, all the digital book reading material, at least all the readers that I've got, and I've got most of them, uh, is that if you click on an individual word, uh, it will bring up a dictionary to to, to uh, give you a definition of it. That's um, right, and and in this case, it'll be able to bring up video, and you'll probably yeah. be able to link that video to the dictionary to get the definition of the elephant if it's not included in the book. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see where all this shakes out because everybody's still experimenting at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're right at the beginnings, and it's. Uh, I, 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 I mean, don't know. There's a lot of people that describe it as the Wild Wild West, but it's also yep. really kind of a farmer's market. It really where you get is. to go to see what each individual person's done. I, I think it's wonderful. I, I think it's absolutely marvelous. And uh, oh, know, yeah. they're going to be they're going to be whole businesses that spring up. There's, animation houses are going to start offering animation for for books, and and you'll have you know a little bit of movie with each book, perhaps, and that'll be considered part of the promotion expense. Uh, just as a for instance, as long as we're talking here, 
uh, instead of having a normal book cover on a book, you'll pick up the book and you'll click on the start of your ebook and you'll get a little animated and you'll get a little piece of animation instead of a still frame. Yeah. Sure. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, that's it, it, they're they're called gifts. They've been around since the beginning of computers. So, I mean, it's it's where where it's all going. I mean, there's so much you can do, and your the the limits are just your creativity. That's right. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see what develops. Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time today. This sucks. Aww. Unfortunately, it's always a great time, and uh, we love talking to you, Alan. It's it's uh, it's always a blast. You you're an interesting, interesting guy, and far better traveled than I. <laughs> oh well, that reminds me, I got to go to Fry's later and pick something up. Well, there you go. <laughs> I promise it won't be in the next book. <laughs> but but if there's a great white shark there, it will be an encounter that would make it into the next book. Yeah, that's that's another story there's a story there there's yep. a story in everything there's a story there too <laughs> absolutely absolutely but we're out of time and that's going to do it for this show again thanks so much for being on the show alan and uh we will have all the links to alan his site his books and everything else everything yes. alan will be on the website go to dragonpage.com you'll find that there of course, you know the numbers 206-350-READ. That's 206-350-7323. If you'd like to call in and leave us some comments. Uh, Second Life, as always, join the forums. Just search us. We're around. There you go. All right. We'll see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.